Studios. It's The Rush with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. If we're motivated by love, right, rather than by hate, and uh, I just feel, and I know I'm going to upset some people, I feel like uh, we, the Kansas State community and family, allow them to live rent-free in our heads way too much. Okay, this game, it's, it's one game in the conference. If we win, we get one win. If we lose, we get one loss. That's it. I, I came to win, try and win a Big 12 championship and win a national championship. Okay, and uh, the year we won the national championship, we split with these guys, right? And so I, I'm, that, that, that's, that's, that's my thing. I, I, let, let, let's show up to the game because we love Kansas State. Let's show up to every game because we love Kansas State. Let's pack Bramlage and make it the octagon of doom because we love Kansas State, not because we hate somebody else. Interesting take there, Jerome Tang, Kansas State's head basketball coach there. I get it. I understand. But that that may be something for the locker room, for the players and the coaches, but Throw the gasoline on the fire when it comes yeah. to your fans, right? <laughs> Seriously. And, like, whatever it takes, whatever reason they're there, whether it is out of anger, out of excitement, whatever, you want that place hype. So, like, that is like the – that's the noble statement and proof that he's a better man than I. I would be trying to, you know, needle him a little bit Get, get the student section even more wound up than they typically are. And I understand I would take the low road and he's taking the high road, but, hey, that's why I'm sitting here and he's, you know, the head coach of a college basketball Well, you team. can also say something like that when you have the 13th-ranked team and you're 15-2 and two on the year and one of the better yeah. teams in the Big 12. But here's the thing, Jerome, is, well, their hatred of KU – that's really the only reason as to why Kansas State fans have shown up to uh, KUK State basketball games in the past. Listen to this, man. I, I found this shocking today. Since the inception of the Big 12, KU has won 56 of 62 against Kansas State. Man. 56 of 62 since the inception of the Big 12. Bill Self alone is uh, 38 and 6 against K State. Wow. That is That's domination over someone. Yeah. Especially when you get a Shocking. real bump with home court in college basketball to have that type of run over those guys. Man, that's uh that's something. And it's not like Kansas State is some terrible basketball program, you know? No, I think did they make like two elite eights under Frank Martin. Um, I want to say yeah. they made a deep run with uh with got what Bruce Weber, the year they got beat by uh, they got beat by some Cinderella team I think in the Elite Eight. It was just like two years ago, wasn't it? Three it was, years ago? It was, it was about, about four or five years ago. Oh, uh, was it that long? Okay. But uh, yeah, man, it's it's just crazy to have a stranglehold like that on someone. Yeah. Well, uh, we feel Kansas State's pain whenever it comes to uh, playing Kansas. Okay, so I get it, which, you know, they 
I'm sure the statistics since the start of the Big 12 look about the exact same flipped whenever it comes to football with Kansas State versus Kansas, right? <laughs> yeah, so. probably. Chapstick says, uh, that's a dreamy take, but damn, sports needs heated rivalries. That's where the entertainment is. This one from the 918 says, that guy sounds like Mike Tyson. Also, he's on crack. I will hate Texas always. <laughs> hey, you know what? What a, you know, sometimes whenever you've got a full stadium and everything, I, who cares why, why they're there, whether it's love or hate, they're there. And you look at us, like we're doing whatever we can to try and figure out a way to, to get people into the, into the arena for basketball games. And Kansas State is lucky enough to be able to, to try and pick their motivation for why yeah. people show up. I, uh, I enjoy the petty side of sports. I think it's great. Uh, just Saturday night, Teddy, we were at an event, and an Arkansas fan was telling my wife, well, dang, every time I tune in, he's talking crap about the Hogs. And she says, no, 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 no. He also talks bad about A&M, about Texas, about Texas mm-hmm. Tech. He talks bad about everyone. So, yeah, the petty side of sports is fun. But is there anyone that you talk good about? Uh, now that I think about it, I don't. We're gonna have to. I don't know. I, I did say some nice things about Georgia here the past week, but yeah, that's that's true. to be expected. It, it is a it is an interesting point about the Big Twelve and heated rivalries. OU and Texas is the most heated rivalry in the conference now, but that's about to roll to the SEC. Hmm. Is Bedlam yeah. is, is Bedlam the second most heated rivalry that? the conference currently has because obviously that's going to to dissolve as well i'm just trying to figure out what the big 12 is going to have in terms of heated rivalries when ou and texas are in the sec uh what's iowa state kansas state called don't they call that something farmageddon is what that's called that's been a pretty good one recently um i think baylor tcu is it seems like those two fan bases really hate each other um but you're right. I I don't. There's not a whole lot of heated anything. Like one of the things that has to happen to get a real heated rivalry going is you have to play games where at least one of the teams has something big on the line. Often, All right? What what drives you to hatred is whenever you're on the verge of pulling off something big, and this team knocks you off of it. Right, and like that just it, you know, that happens a couple of times, and you keep cranking it up, and then, you know, a, a year or two later, it's your turn. You knock them off their pedestal whenever they're about to pull something off. I mean, like with Oklahoma and Texas, it's it's been you know, there's recruiting implications. There's you know, who's the big dog of the conference? You know, who's pulling all the stars? Who gets all the accolades? There's all kinds of different ways you can break that thing down. And, you know, that's just like the actual, you know, situation, actual things that are tied to it. It has nothing to do with over the years, the consistency of it, how the fans start to hate one another, right? That's, that's all gets built in later as, as things, you know, as you're constantly in those competitions with the other schools. So I, I don't know who that would be. Text line says. Because no one is been at the top of the conference at all gundy versus for his, an extended time gundy versus players and staff is a really good rivalry <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
This one yeah, says uh, this one says the Butt Bowl. Yeah, B U T T. So I'm guessing Baylor and Texas Tech, they call it the Butt Bowl down there. That's great. Well, that's the thing is it, it feels like the the most heated rivalries in the this new Big Twelve have been obviously Oklahoma Texas, Oklahoma Oklahoma State. Um, it seems like what Texas and TCU have developed a little something there. Even te- I would say even Texas Oklahoma State have developed a little something there. It feels like like a lot of those rivalries are tied to Oklahoma and Texas, right? Right, and I just I don't know. And here's the other thing: is we're not really in it. Like if you are a Kansas State fan, uh, you know the teams that. You, you've got long-term rivalries and short-term rivalries built up with it. You know, I'm really not as privy to, so. Yeah, I mean, you're, they're just not going to have any premier premier rivalries in the sport. Is Iowa State and Kansas State a fun rivalry? Probably, but no one's going to look at that as a premier rivalry. And the teams you have coming in, like, is BYU ever going to develop a rival with someone? I mean, maybe, but that takes years to build, right? Same thing with Cincinnati. Same thing with Houston and UCF. I just, I, I don't know. Like, the SEC is the best conference for a lot of reasons. But they've got, by far and away, the best rivalries in the sport. I mean, I, I don't even I mean, know. Like, how many in the top ten would they have? About six, maybe? It's an interesting point. You know, especially whenever you're at, you're about to add four new teams. And those new teams don't come with any existing rivalries with any of the teams that are here. You know, Iowa Iowa State is, you know, a, a consistent rivalry, in-state rivalry, but that's played early in the season. So is is Kansas, Kansas State, the only game that you're going to be playing on rivalry week? Um, yeah, I would think so. I'm, try, I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, maybe Oklahoma State tries to get something going with Tech there. I, but I, no one nationally is going to really look at that as as much. I mean, yeah, yeah, probably to answer your question, yes. That's not good. No, it's not. Like this text even says, I think Houston and Tech will develop a rivalry pretty quickly. Like maybe so, yeah, and they're in the same state, but they're still like I understand there's a lot of Tech grads in Houston, but Houston and Lubbock aren't exactly you know eight miles down the road for one from one another. I mean that that's that's a haul, man, from Lubbock all the way down to Houston. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I I'll take I'll take their word for it on Houston and and Lubbock and Tech rather developing a a rivalry, but. I don't know that it's one that anyone's going to notice. In order for people to notice, you have to have teams at the top. Who do we think are going to be the two best teams in the conference over the next 10 years? Uh, TCU and UCF. That's my guess. TCU and UCF? Uh Uh-huh. Total guess. I think it could be like a number of six teams, but that's my guess for now. Okay. If you take that guess, that is – if those are if that legitimately turns out to be the trend over the next decade, well then maybe six years or eight years in, those two teams are going to develop a rivalry, right? It's got to be from the top two teams in the conference. That's that's got to be where it comes from. Sure. 
and they've got to be consistent. Like that's one of like one of the good things about the Big Twelve is the variety that you've had at the top of the conference every year. One of the bad things about that is with the variety, you don't get a lot of built-in rivalries. Like that's one of the things that's good about having top-tier teams is whenever they actually end up meeting up, it turns into a huge football game, even if one of them, you know, may be having a down year that year. Like like the Tennessee Alabama thing is, there's enough history there that that has carried over. Even like the, the last 20 years when Tennessee hasn't been good, it still has carried over because of all the great matchups previously. And it looks like it could be back. So you don't have a whole lot to carry anything like that right now. That's the that's the problem that they're faced with. TCU and Baylor, they don't like each other, says the text line. Yeah, I mean, that got heated for yeah, a couple of true. years when they were both good. But still, like we're talking about nationally, how's that looked at? No one thinks that TCU and Baylor is a top ten rivalry nationally and probably not even close to it. But to your point, I guess over time, and I think it would have to take several years, if TCU and Baylor are the class of the Big 12 and they're making it to the playoff on a regular basis and they're you know doing some things in the playoff, maybe that turns into something. But I think TCU and Baylor, their rivalry is always going to be limited because of the size of their fan bases. Like, Can we admit that? Like the size of larger fan bases against larger fan bases when there's eight there? That normally what turns into your best rivalries. Yeah. Let me ask you something. And this is perhaps a a question for the text line too. And I, I'm interested to see what people think about it, especially with us on the verge of going to the SEC. If everyone had it to do all over again, would would Nebraska would everyone involved have kept the original Big 12 together because you can go you can go back to whenever all of that fracture started and really that has been the the downfall of of a lot of the programs and I will throw Oklahoma and Texas into that as well even though you know we've had some some really good moments, some some playoff appearances. Like we were on the the Big Twelve was on a roll there for that that first decade of the two thousands, constantly in national championships, like a big presence. You know, I think the the SEC was maybe starting to kind of climb out of the shadow, but there for a while the Big yeah. Twelve at least had an argument to be the best conference in college if, football. If you had a mulligan, would those other four, four schools do it over again? Um, well, when you look at their past uh, team. Even Texas, and like, I don't remember what all the, like, the catalyst of all that was. Yeah. Like, even, even Texas, would Texas look back at it and say, like, whatever happened in the, in the back rooms, would they want to take that back? Yeah, maybe the fans would. Uh, I, I, I feel like Nebraska fans would probably say now, yeah, it was a bit of a mistake. Let's l- we should have gone back to the you know we should go back to the Big Twelve, whatever. The problem is the money is just so much better for them, you know. Like I, I think the fans might say one thing, but the money the would have changed. Say the, uh, maybe, um, may, maybe that would have been the case. I know the Big Twelve would have been it thought of been. differently than what it has been over the past eight years, but. Would they have be taking a pay cut, Missouri, A&M, and Nebraska to come back to the conference? 
I think Missouri and A&M probably would have. The SEC, I think, was probably always going to make the most money in the end. It's my guess. Well, maybe, but, you know, part of part of the money issue is uh, what what do you generate yourself? Uh, is Is anyone, anybody better off since that went – since that went down, anyone? Uh, and I don't. I don't think you can say that A and M's better recruiting wise, but actually on the field performance, no, not really. Kind of the same old, same old team. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think that A and M probably would have hit their little renaissance or whatever you want to call it had they been in the Big Twelve again. You know, had they never left because. Really what sparked them was Manziel winning the Heisman Trophy. You know, and then, yeah, the SEC has has built on that. But I don't know, man. I feel like every single team, and maybe you could say save A&M, is in a worse position than they were before that. And that all that split happened before the, you know, the TV money was big and it was growing. But it's still, like... The Big 12 without Oklahoma and Texas, they're about to sign, what is it, $55 million a school? Yeah, I think so. I, I do. Like the, I, I've the heard money would have been there. I've heard from enough Nebraska fans and enough Nebraska media to say that like, their fan base would say yes, come back to the Big 12. That's because of what's happened in the Big 10, but like they, I, I well, think I'm that they want to get saying, back with OU. I'm not even saying come back. Uh, I'm just, no, I'm no, no, no. I'm saying, the, yeah, if you could do it over again. Like, that was the question. And, like, knowing what you yeah. know now, like, yeah, I think Nebraska would say, yeah, we would have stayed in this conference if we could do it over right. again. Um, Colorado, do they even know that they've been in the Pac-12 for about 10 years now? I don't even know what they would say. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think anyone has been hurt as bad as as Colorado. Well, maybe you could say, I guess Nebraska has got to be right there, too. Obviously, because they were at, but Colorado was, you know, consistently. Like, how many? They played in a bunch of Big 12 championships. They, they played 02, 01? they won it. 02, they played for it. And 04 and 05. So, what's that, like four Big 12 championships in five years? Dang. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I know that th- that's not where they were whenever that the, the split came, but. My goodness, uh, that is that's a big time fall. Like, cause they haven't even, they haven't even been relevant since. Maybe one season they had like a nice little start or something like that, and then fizzled. But you know, Dion is the first real excitement that they've had there in a long, long time. So I don't know. It, it's just it's interesting to think about that. You you were you were right there as competitive and right there at the top of of college football. And it just, as soon as that split came, everyone, it feels like, got weaker. Let me uh, read one more uh, from the 918. I went to New York City last week. I wore my OU rain jacket. I had bellhops giving me the horns down and saw multiple people with UT gear flipping me the bird. Great rivalry <laughs> stretch across the world, not in the state of Texas. Well, I right. think they flip you the bird up there for any reason, right? Are we sure it's because you had the OU rain jacket on? Could be any for a number of uh, a number of reasons in NYC. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's kind of the uh, that's the that's the universal language 
uh, up there in, in New York. I don't know. It's just eh, it's something interesting it is. to think no, about. It is. All right. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Hour number two rolls on. Hanging out here at the Carlstone in Norman. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. Sooner Nation, don't miss your chance to catch double the sports action with this exclusive basketball ticket offer. For a limited time, you can purchase four tickets for $40 to the Sooner Men's Basketball Game versus Baylor, Alabama, or TCU. With your ticket purchase, you'll also receive same-day access to the Sooner Women's Basketball Game against Oklahoma State or the Sooner Men's Gymnastics Meet versus Air Force and Illinois or their meet against Michigan. To purchase this special offer, visit Soonersports.com hoops. Are you looking for the kind of OU apparel you can wear at work? 6,000. The Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealer bringing you this hour of the rush. We were talking about this uh, during a break earlier, but on3.com, that's a recruiting service, they updated their rankings for the 2023 class. They've got P.J. Adabare, five-star edge player, all the way up at number four. He's the highest-ranked player in this class. And one of their uh, director of uh, scouting or director of recruiting, whatever he is, says, I believe that would make P.J. Adabare the highest-ranked player to ever come out of Kansas City. So that's wow. what you have with your uh, top-ranked uh, player in this class. Highest-ranked player wow. in the city. Impressive. And he's um... – the what the only defensive player that's ahead of ahead of him is the Keon Keeley kid that's going to Alabama, um, out of Florida, and you know he's as everyone has said a, a, a can't miss type of guy. And you know the great thing about Adabare is like he he's physically the traits that he has are ultra rare, and it looks like he's really on a rocket ship of of improving like he's he's starting to understand the body a little bit more you know he's got the such a a unique frame with the arm length and everything it can lead to some awkwardness and he looks like he's starting to put all of that behind and growing into that where you start to get all of your coordination and you start to develop those really good neural connections with your muscles and your coordination looks like he's really starting to hit into that part of his life and you know who knows where he's going to end up, but like most of these top ten guys are quarterbacks. A lot of quarterbacks thrown in here. That's normally and, how it works. But it was a really good. Yeah. It was a really good quarterback class this year. Really good. Yeah, no doubt. But that's awesome. All well, the way up I, to it, number. It's just four. crazy because a year ago he was a three star at best, and now this is just right. one serve. Like what they think, but you know the conversation not even too long ago is well, is PJ Atabari a five star? Well, on three says. Well, yeah, he's a five-star, and actually there's an argument to be made that he's the best defensive player in this entire recruiting class. Right, which is crazy. Not crazy, but, I mean, which is just... Well, it is crazy because normally when you're talking about the end of the cycle, like a guy that's in the mix to be the best defensive player in the whole class, like he's the number two ranked defensive player... He's probably mm-hmm. been on the radar for quite some time, right? Like, and there are risers, and those things happen. But to go from a relatively unknown three-star a year ago to this for PJ Adabare, I don't know if there was another individual in the twenty-three class that took a rocket ship up to the top like he did. 
And now I don't know if I don't know if there's like if two four seven rivals, all of those are gonna reshuffle all of their rankings here one more time or not. But what's cool is on three has this where you can compare where one of their where they rank a guy compared to all of the other ones. And like they have Adobare as the fourth best player in the entire country in the recruiting class. If you go to two four seven, they've got him at thirty seven. ESPN has him at fifty seven. Rivals has him at thirty five. So, and I don't know where on three had him before they've reshuffled him. But I don't remember either. Like you don't see that on most of you look at all these guys. Like kind of the guys I'm shuffling through. Most of them are pretty consistent in the in at least the same area. Like that is an outlier, but it's moving in the same direction. Like everyone continues to move him in the same direction. My guess is if these other um, these other places change their their rankings one more time as the class comes to completion, then I think you'll see him climb up quite a bit in the other ones as well. Well, yeah, you're going to because like the reason why he took such a jump in the on-three rankings is because of what he did in Orlando a couple of weeks ago at the uh, Under right. Armour practices and the game and everything. Uh, he was, you know, one of the best, if not the best defensive player that was there. So I don't know if 24-7 is going to do another uh, ranking update. I'm guessing that they're probably going to. And I would tend to agree with you that P.J. is going to take a jump in those as well because – you know, like he, you got him out in front of other elite talent in Orlando, and he stood out amongst that elite talent. That's yeah. that's going to get you a bump in the rankings. And with on three, it, it, it did, obviously. But OU's got three players in the top 15 in the new on three rankings. Atabare at four, Jackson Arnold at six, and then Peyton Bowen at 15. Three in the top 15, that, that'll play. Yeah. And, you know, what's interesting is um, – Oklahoma also has two defensive guys that are in the top 15 and I'm scrolling and there's not and then they've got uh Omosigo who's number 52. They've got three defensive players in the top 52 and like the current Big 12 there's not one other player one other team does not have any player in the top 52 defensively. And I'm still scrolling. The first person I see is Anthony Hill at 59 yep. to Texas. That is the that is the first guy that I see defensively from anyone else in the. And Big you're going to be scrolling for a while if you're looking for someone outside of OU in Texas that has a defensive player ranked that high. Um, you're you're right. going to be scrolling for quite a bit, I think. Yep. Which is you know, we would have it, in, until this year and maybe last year because of some late movement but we wouldn't have had a defensive guy that high on this list either lately. no and that's what i was telling parker earlier it's like take away pj atabare take away peyton bowen like that's two top 15 defensive players if what you had to show for your defensive hall your best player was samuel was samuel omasigo at 52 one, we'd be pretty excited about that, right? Oh, man, they got a top, you know, 60-player nationally at backer. That's what you thought you were going to get with Brent Venables. And we'd be talking about Samuel Omasigo as one of the highest-ranked defensive players that you've had in the past five years or so. And he's, like, not even – I mean, he's talked about, 
But when you have three top 15 players, obviously he's not nearly as talked about as he probably should be. Like he's a really good player, but you got three in the top 15, you're talking about those guys a whole lot more. Yeah, and, you know, it's interesting because I'm looking – I think I found the first one other than OU or Texas. I think it's TCU has a safety, uh, Randon Fontenette, 6'2", 205, out of uh, Freeport, Texas. Uh, he's number 125, which whenever you – in the grand scheme of things – a top 125 player is still really good. Like his sure his is. ranking is still excellent. You know he's a he's a high four star. He's the ninth best safety in the country, and you know that puts him at 125. So to have guys like that lets you know like how elite having three players in the top 15 is. So yeah, pretty nah, impressive. It's um. I, uh, you already felt good about the 23 class, and you look at these new rankings and you say, oh, I think I might feel better where, where some of these guys are ranked. Because OU had a lot of guys that were really good evaluations because they kept rising and rising and rising. That's at the top of the class with P.J. Atabare and Samuel Omasigo, but they've had some other guys in the class that have like significantly, their ranking has got better over the past year since they were initially offered. Oh, you know what? The I think the previous number is right next to their name. Like you got the new rank and then the last one because Arch Manning is three now and it has the one next to him. Um, I think that's that's what that means. I don't know. And Iyama Liava is number one and it has eleven from where I think he would have been previously. And Adabare would have been twenty four previously, which is kind of where he is in the. Um, uh, like two four seven, but maybe that's just like their their consensus across the the all the different groups. I don't know, but yeah. interesting. Burley Boomer says, "Hey, fellas, been at work all day. Did the Big Twelve uh, release its schedule?" No, Not they yet. haven't even released the schedule of when they're going to release the schedule. Like we don't even know. Well, I don't expect that to happen because like they named the all Big Twelve teams, and there was no like announcement that that was going to happen at a certain point. They just said. Oh, by the way, guys, I know it's like a random Tuesday, but here's our all-Big 12 teams. Enjoy. Oh, okay. Right. Thank you. That's out of nowhere. Yep. Well, um, it's uh, we'll just take it when we get it. I, I don't care how long they push it out. Content, baby. If we need to stretch for this thing, maybe next week, maybe the week after, that's fine. A little bit of buildup is better. Yeah. But I want some. I want someone to leak what's gone on and why this is taking so long. Maybe uh, they're noticing the airline prices right now, and to stick it to OU one last time, they're giving them all the road <laughs> trips to Provo and Cincinnati, and they're making sure that they announce it as late as possible, Teddy, two weeks before the start of the season, so nobody can get good deals on a flight to these road games. Now that's yep, petty. Well. Probably so. Probably so. Whatever it is, um, they need to get it ironed out at some point. All right, we got to hit a break. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up today. We're hanging out at the Carlstone in Norman, brand new senior living community right here in the heart of Norman. Four zero five seven zero one twenty nine fifty one. Give them a call. Come in. Set up an appointment to check out this place. Tons of amenities. All kinds of different floor plans. Excellent stuff here at the Carlstone. We'll this be back. is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. The best place to.
to play in 2023 is right here at Riverwind. Online at lawgroupok.com or call 405-701-1882. Hometown lawyers ready to fight for you when experience matters. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. We call this segment What Caught Teddy's Eye. Brought to you by West Yala Gosney. When you want it, when you call a law firm, do you want to actually talk to a lawyer? At WYG, communication is a priority. Give West Yala Gosney Law a call today. 405-800-8080. That's 405-800-8080. Story number one is... Uh, let's start with a little update. There's been an update to the, uh, the Russell Gage injury from last night. You hated to see, uh, feels like what it was just a week ago. You had the Hamlin situation out there on the field. Scary. Here's another one that, uh, was really scary. They had to put him on the, the backboard as, as everyone kind of gathered around, uh, head neck injury. He's, he's okay. He's moving all extremities and, you know, had to stay overnight, still doing some tests, but looks like he's going to be okay. Um, let's not turn this into a weekly thing, yeah, shall no we? Yeah, no kidding, man. And that was scary last night because all it, the, the, the players are all huddled around him from both sides. It was just, I don't, I don't know, it was gl- glad everything's okay, but it's it gets scarier and scarier now after that after that situation everyone's got a little bit of ptsd after the last one i think um so yeah um now what'd you think of this did you see the video of the coach at colorado in that team meeting (laughs) well sound like a drill sergeant that is um tim brewster who used to be the head coach at minnesota i feel like uh, and he's huh. yeah yeah telling everyone stand up sit down like he's a he, he's a somewhat well known coach in this in college football he's new DC there I think everyone's kind of been mocking it a little bit and I could definitely understand that but you know I really I think that they're just trying to change some things there I Colorado's been you know we all know right you got to change some stuff you got to change the way. Uh, some things are done around there, and it's not necessarily to say that it was wrong before, but you just need change. You just need to get rid of all of the old and start with some new to get you know, rid of some of the old attitudes and um, the way you go about things. So I really don't have a problem with it. now. No, I like it. Does it look a little outlandish? Yeah, yeah, I think so. But, hey, we'll see what happens, man. Um, I still believe that. Good things are going to happen there. Uh, I don't know what the time frame is going to be. What if they signed like twenty five guys in the transfer portal? Is that what I they, saw? Um, I think they're twenty three, and Arizona State's twenty five is is yeah. their number. But they're also they they're in on Cormani McLean, five star defensive player that um, is still available, hasn't signed anywhere yet, and he was at uh, CU this past weekend. And the whole Jaden Rashada drama that's going on. Four-star quarterback, Colorado's in on that one. So they may not be done adding elite players. Yeah. Well, that's all I've got. Um, I'm interested about that Jaden Rashada deal. Like, I don't – I wonder where that's going to end up. Yeah, Colorado or SMU as of uh, late last week is where it sounded wow. like it was going to end up. Patrick Ewing at Georgetown. 
Wow, wow, wow. Uh, I hadn't been paying attention to what Pat Ewing huh. was doing at Georgetown. And obviously that's a, that's a great historic basketball program that's had a ton of success over the years. Patrick Ewing, of course, a, a well-known name. Teddy, they have lost nine games in a row, Georgetown. They are mm. 0-8 in conference. Georgetown is 5-14 on the season. Uh, fans that follow Georgetown are now saying this is ridiculous. It is unacceptable. Patrick Ewing must be fired now. Wow. How's it gone so bad there uh, for for Georgetown? I mean, I don't know. This This probably dates me a bit, but... Gosh, I remember in the 90s when Georgetown was like the place to be in the 80s, for hoops. too. Yeah, sure. In yeah. the 80s. But wow. it's, yeah, it's, it's gone very poorly. So we'll, we'll see how long it, uh, Patrick Ewing uh, lasts out there in Georgetown. Iowa Northwestern, they're not going to play their basketball game tomorrow. It's been canceled because of COVID. I don't know which side has the COVID, but uh, I, I thought that we were past this and, and done with this, canceling games. But. I guess not. We got a game in the Big Ten that won't be happening tomorrow night. They're going to try to reschedule uh, yeah, it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess if it's easy to re- reschedule and you can have uh, both teams maybe better available, or or maybe you just got it one sided to where one team's going to be missing a bunch of starters, then maybe it's maybe it's fair to try and reschedule it and play it at a, at a later date but let's let's not start this on a on a massive level please D1 softball 2023 preseason top 25 looks like this the number 1 team entering the season the Oklahoma Sooners UCLA at 2 Oklahoma State at 3 Florida State at 4 Florida at 5 Alabama at 6 Northwestern at 7 Arkansas at 8 Clemson at 9, and Georgia at 10. And UCLA is going to be good. Oklahoma State's going to have one of the best pitchers in the country. You know what you're going to get with Florida State and Florida. Alabama's got Montana Fouts back. But I just I, I would be interested in asking someone at D1 Softball, okay, you've got OU at 1 and UCLA at 2, but how big is that gap between OU at 1 and everyone else? Because I think they have the best collection of returning talent in college softball from last year. I think they had the number one overall recruiting class, and I think they had the best haul via the transfer portal. So <laughs> I would tend to think that that gap could be a little wide. What? Where do you go for all your softball info? Oh, Diamond Envy Podcast, wherever you get your podcast is where I no, go. No, 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 no. I mean like... D1 Softball is where I go, honestly. That's, that's, yeah, that's what the, the website is called? It's the premier place to go. Because ESPN doesn't have crap, um, so... Yeah, just to see, like, the rankings and all of that stuff. They need to get going on that. I mean, come on. I find it shocking that ESPN's page doesn't have hardly anything when it comes to softball. Uh, the scuttlebutt but, yeah, that's pretty good. is that the Patriots could be closing in on their next offensive coordinator, and it could Ooh. be Bill O'Brien, current OC at Alabama. What do you make of that? Um, I think that – Alabama fans certainly and probably even Nick Saban may say um, okay yeah that's fine with us go take the patch job we'll go get somebody right. else yeah uh, huh that's interesting I wonder who they're going to go to like that's the Kendall Bryles the... or Saban's going to fly out to uh, oh gosh where's Cliff Kingsbury at why am I totally Thailand. yeah he, Saban's going to fly out to Thailand to go get his next OC yeah you think uh, Cliff will force Saban to 
hire his Instagram girlfriend as a <laughs> recruiting staffer, some like recruiting that. staffer, or something, a Probably. defensive analyst. Yeah, I have no doubt. Uh, last one I have: Archibald Manning continues to lose mm. his student ID on campus. Uh, this is now the second time since he's arrived in Austin, I think in less than two weeks, then someone's found his ID and has taken a photo of it uh, on campus. So Archibald's got to do a better job of uh, keeping up with a student ID down there at Texas. That's crazy. Huh. Uh, let's see. Fire up all the hot takes about how he's going to lose his playbook as well, and he's uh, an entitled brat that – doesn't think the rules apply to him is, is that been going on or no uh well that's been going on well before he was losing his student id <laughs> but yes right. yes it is going on now right that's great uh you gotta love it oh, good stuff all right well oh, by the way hit- yeah yeah, uh, yeah d1 baseball preseason top 25 the team that finished uh second at the college world series last year the team that finished runner-up didn't even make the mm-hmm. preseason top 25 which i thought was interesting yeah well, what do you think about that? I mean, what's the reasoning there? Is, I, it, is, is there some legitimacy well, to it? Well, I, I guess they think that they lost um, too much from last year's team, but I would think that they're a top 25 team, though it, it, the, the top 10 essentially looks like the SEC. So I, yeah. maybe they're still getting a bias there. I, I don't know. Well, we'll see. Hopefully um, they should have, they've got some decent arms coming back, right? They lost some power out of the lineup, but – uh, if we learned any frame, anything from last year, they're going to have some speed out there on the bases and generate some runs. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap up hour number two next. Stay tuned. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. In your the best place to play in 2023 is right here at Riverwind. Operational support and help in raising additional capital to launch a company. Boyd Street Ventures can help you through the process of Sooners empowering Sooners and investing in OU innovation. For more info, go to BoydStreetVentures.com. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you this hour of The Rush. Updated bracketology today. OU is in the field. They are uh, last four in, according to Joe Lenardi. Uh, what's interesting, though, is Kentucky not in the field. Uh, Kentucky not in the uh, bracketology wow. field, which is crazy. And Kentucky is Kentucky's known as a basketball state. So in mid-January, Kentucky's nowhere to be found on bracketology. And Louisville is 2-16 and 16 on the year. Uh, the Bluegrass State has seen better days. Wow. 2-16, and 16, Louisville, who's won a national championship in the past 10 years. That's crazy. Kentucky's the more shocking one, though, right? Yeah, I mean, they started, well, like they always do. They had started the season with some expectations, and obviously that's, that's uh, no more. Kentucky now a football and softball school, softball preseason number 16 in the country, yeah, Tyler. Yeah, I think they uh, come to Norman this year. Mark Stoops tried to tell us it was a football school. Coach Cal mm-hmm. just didn't want to listen. They do come to Norman the uh, 3rd and 4th of March. As does Florida State for a midweek game, which is going to be awesome. Do you know Oklahoma's record over the last two years, um, the years that won titles? 
Uh, I there's probably have like five losses combined. I, I don't know what the overall record. One hundred and fifteen and seven. Jeez, crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, which, by the way, uh, I put this out on a ref page earlier. OU softball preseason number one. OU women's gymnastics currently number one. OU women's tennis number four. And OU women's basketball, I think they're the highest-ranked team in the Big 12 right now. So yeah. the women's sports on campus, yeah, doing quite nice. Got it going. Oh, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We got the final hour next here from the Carlstone. <laughs> 